So, you know, today I'd like to start with a poem by, it's, it's by a woman actually who, who lives here in San Rafael. I've never met her, but I've read her bio and her name is Emily Ligrin. And it's a, it's a poem which is called The News. Each morning we listen for what is breaking. The sound of a thousand tragedies fills the air. Shattering that never stops. Headlines, a fleet of anchors dangled at our feet. We watch worried. If we turn away even for an instant, it will all crumble the rest of the way. Forget with me for a moment. Take an unguarded breath. Do it now. The world needs your attention here too. On the rise and fall of your shoulders, the rustle of leaves outside the window, the warm space between your gaze and mine. Forget with me for a moment. Take an unguarded breath. Do it now. The world needs your attention here too. On the rise and fall of your shoulders, the rustle of leaves outside the window, the warm space between your gaze and mine. So, you know, that's all about balance, I think, you know, which is so important. We need both. We need to really get to know who we truly are or who we, who we not are actually more. It's, it's a deconditioning on the one hand and on the other hand then a stepping into action of some kind, you know, which might be big and small and hidden and on the stage. There are so many different ways how we can step into action, but it needs to be balanced because otherwise it's just going to be the repetition of what created the tragedy in the first place. And I think that's a, a relatively new, you know, recognition as there is a lot of, uh, you know, speaking about trauma and emergence and all of those issues on the internet more and more because it's understood, you know, that the, at the root of the eco-social crisis lies an inability to relate to what is happening. And an inability to relate stems usually from trauma. Trauma does interrupt capacity for relationship. And if we want to be able to relate, we need to uh, attend to that, you know, in a, in a compassionate way and also in a, in a collective way, not only on a personal level, because, you know, trauma has been mostly, you know, happening in, relation, in some kind of relationship. And therefore, it also needs to be worked with in relationship. And, and then, you know, we can, I think we can befriend certain features of experience, which normally, you know, we are turning away from, such as death and decay, you know, dissolution of things. Normally, it makes us just feel, you know, very scared, and we don't have much skills, you know, in our culture 
to really open up to that. I think it's changing now, you know, but when I was a, a small child, you know, I don't remember that my parents had many of those skills. And it's getting better, I think, which is, is like very promising. And uh, I think it's all about, you know, learning to be open to the gifts of disillusionment and dissolution, you know, which we are witnessing now and surrendering without collapsing. That's one important skill, you know, which we can support each other to learn. And then the next one would be allow the state of wonder and emergence, allow it to stay open without immediately trapping it again into meaning, you know, which stems from the old uh, narratives. So it's about, you know, what's called hospicing modernity, allowing modernity to, to die and midwifing the new narrative without suffocating it as it comes. And I think that's a, a very great piece of work, you know, which we have to do all together. And this is why I think, you know, such gatherings are really important where we can witness we are not alone in this. We can look on the screen and we can see, you know, there is every time a certain amount of people, it's worthwhile for them to come to this because it seems to matter, you know, that we seem to all uh, understand that this is something, you know, which needs to be born through us, you know, through us as individuals and as a collective. As we are at the same time, you know, entering a period of collective, uh, you know, danger really, because of the unfolding of this eco-social crisis. But at the same time, you know, that enables us to become reacquainted with the raw vulnerability of life and what it means, you know, to be alive and that death and Dissolution is part of life. Death is not the opposite of life. Death is the opposite of birth, you know, because it comes along with birth. Anybody who is born, at the same moment they come out from the womb or the egg, you know, death has come out as well. Because there is no death without birth. And so that's, you know, that's like some deep... Um, plumbing, you know, which has to be attended to in the, in the unconscious and it has to be done as a collective because one can't do this alone. You know, our deep mammalian wiring for relationship and needing to be in groups, you know, huddles and needing to feel, you know, feel the skin of the mother and of the siblings and needing that kind of uh, co-regulation in order to develop healthily, you know, a healthy body and a healthy mind. And if some damage has been done, which has been, you know, happens, then there are ways of, of uh, repairing this. If one knows the skill set and one important part of it is, uh, you know, groups, groups of like-minded people who sense their presence and their benevolence and and you know and that we kind of going in the same direction 
and that can also be even done on Zoom. You know, even here we can sense the presence of all other people here on the gathering, and it it, it provides like a, a, a some holding, so that you know we can uh, feel supported in changing, you know those. Uh, core beliefs, you know, around which we are constantly interpreting our experience and starting to question those, you know. And some of them are collective core beliefs, you know, which are also based on trauma, on the trauma of what our prior generation has experienced, you know, through wars and enslavement here in America and, you know, land grabbing and all of those unresolved issues as long as they haven't been addressed, they will entangle us, you know. And of course, you know, one can't fix all of that. Like nobody knows how to go about this. But if we are willing, you know, to let go of the old narrative, the understanding will emerge. If we have a willingness, if we are open for that, Together, you know, as a, as a collective, as a, as a civilization, we need to we need to do this. But we need to start, you know, in small groups, in what's sometimes called, you know, pockets of sanity or pockets of flowering sanity. And then there can be like acupressure points, you know, on the body of the planet. And then, you know, if there is enough of those, they can start linking up with each other. And it doesn't need like a hundred percent. It needs only a certain percentage, you know, I think below 10%, you know, for this understanding to enter the mainstream. So that's to me, you know, pretty uh, hopeful. Yeah. So, you know, the purpose of meditation, because we do this work on the foundation of meditation, because meditation helps us to develop wholesome mind states. Because and as the mind settles, the senses become alive. And as the senses become alive, we can relate to our world, you know. We can relate to other species. We can relate to other people in a much more real way because if we can't sense we tend to overthink if we can't sense with the body we split off the energy in the head and then we are thinking about the world instead of noticing the world and that's you know what we want to increase the capacity for sensing And you know, as usual, we can uh, now start with uh, guided meditation. So find a posture you can sustain for about 35 minutes or so. And allow you know, your breath to take you into the body. Allow your nervous system to guide you.
you know, feeling the weight of the body on the cushion or on the chair, the gravitational pull of the planet on the body because the planet and the body are one, one process. Because, you know, there's a constant exchange happening through eating, drinking, breathing, going to the bathroom. These bodies of ours are secretions of the planet. So are all bodies, you know, the bodies of the trees, the bodies of the animals, the bodies of the mountains. They're all emerging out of planet and then go back and come out again in a different form. So we have like invisible roots, energetic roots, which take us back into the planet through you know, all of the ancestors which have come before us, human and animal, plant, mineral. We are all belonging to each other. And there's a massive you know, data flow of evolutionary intelligence available in all of this. And it's our work right now, you know, to learn to sense into that. This intelligence which isn't available on a cognitive level, but we can sense it and receive it in a different way. Allow ourselves to be informed, allow that informed, this information to enter the form of us via the truth that the elements are the same elements and they are not dead. They are vibrant with life. So we are feeling the body from inside and maybe we can feel this aliveness or rather sense it, sense this aliveness. And at the same time, you know, not having any label on top of it. This is like this. Just keep an open mind. What it is. Allow your state of wonder to stay open without always trapping it into meaning. Just allow it to speak for itself. And that's, you know, how emergence is, is encouraged by going into the cracks and connecting with that aliveness and not suffocating it 
with assumptions, what it is or what it isn't. But just purely sensing the qualities which become apparent, such as pulsing, heat, throbbing, pressure. It's all the qualities of the elements. The earth element stands for hardness and softness and structure. The water element stands for fluidity, cohesion, wetness. The fire element stands for hot and cold. The wind element stands for pressure, expansion and contraction. And the space element stands for openness. And then there's the consciousness element which knows about all of this. That's what we're experiencing if we don't put a story on top. It's like pure sense experience, which is not easy for us to stay with because our minds tend to wander off. But we can notice that and come back. No matter how many times. That's okay. We don't need to work hard. We're just adding awareness, mindfulness to what's happening. And then gently direct awareness to go to the senses. Not get just stuck in one sense. The mind is also considered a sense in the Buddhist worldview, but there is a sense of touch we can feel through sitting. We can even sense down into the planet. How we are rooted in the planet. And noticing, you know, how intention is directing the mind. And then we can come to sensing, hearing, you can hear a bird outside. But I also can hear the silence from which that bird song emerges. And as I'm, you know, listening into the silence, I can also somehow 
become aware of the space, which is a different uh, quality. of that silence. And then I can come to the, the seeing. My eyes are currently closed, so I can, or half closed, so I see a little bit in front of me, the screen, but I don't see any particular details. Then we can come to the taste, sense of tasting in the mouth. It's rather neutral right now. And smelling. It's also rather neutral right now. So this is our six senses. The thinking mind being one, often they are now like totally overpowering everything else and completely sucking us in. But we can decondition that through training, particularly through calming the mind, because as soon as the mind settles, the senses become alive. And the senses are how we connect. And, you know, we as mammalian animals called homo sapiens, there are certain needs we have. Not to be confused with wants. And that's an important issue at this time to figure out the difference between needs and wants. And if you notice, you know, that your mind wanders off. If it's just a short wandering off, like saying hi to, to a friend, just come back. But if it's a longer wandering off, it's just important to discern the underlying current 
the, the feeling tone. Vedana, called in the Pali language. Now, what is predominant? Pleasant feeling tone? Then that's most likely related to some kind of greed for more pleasant. Or is it unpleasant? Might be related to aversion to something. Or if it's just like ambling around, then it's just neither pleasant nor unpleasant. We classify that as delusion. So that's an important recognition to see, you know, what takes the mind away. Yeah, we might go to sleep. Then there's maybe a subtle pleasant feeling. just noticing that and that's also you know something we can take into our daily lives you know when our mind go into some state like aversion or greed you know we can really see what is the underlying current you know which t- takes us there and it's always connected with the feeling tone of wanting something different than what is. And that's not a bad thing. It's just good to notice that. And then, you know, gently coming back to what actually is happening. And opening to that. And that's, you know, that's really the work of meditation. It slowly but surely enables us to decondition those very powerful patternings of wanting to get away from what is and wanting to have something different. You know, that once might, that might have been a, a skillful response when we were very small where we needed to protect ourselves because we had no other choice there was an intelligent natural process but now you know we are no longer little we are all grown-up women we can slowly but surely melt the permafrost of those patterns And we need to melt it not only on a personal level, but also on a you know, collective, cultural level. Because it's, it's really kind of uh, wrecking a lot of havoc now. These old narratives 
and as we're doing that, you know, stepping out and coming back to what's really happening, the mind settles. And the senses come online. And we are just basically more alive. By being part of what's happening in the present moment. Relating to it. As it is. Allow your state of wonder to stay open without always trapping it into meaning. The temporary liberation of the mind and the, the subtle joy or subtle contentment which is there if the mind is not grasping or clinging.
So now we are grounded on the earth and supported, you know, by the solidity and the constant exchange with the earth. And also you know, aware of a subtle contentment or joy, which is there if the mind is settled, because we are connected, you know, through the senses. There's a, there's a maybe a, a slight feeling of enrichment. And from that, you know, enrichment, we can come up with a wish for may all beings be happy. That's the classic sentence for metta, loving kindness or benevolence. May all beings be happy. Or if you prefer for compassion, karuna, may all beings be free from harm. And noticing what that does, you know, in the heart area, if we have that wish, or we can also bring up an image of a being. We love, we wish it to be at ease. May all beings be happy. Or may all beings be free from harm. Just noticing how the heart responds to such a intention, how mysterious that is. What an amazing biocomputer these bodies are. They are holding so much information and great capacity for relationship to experience. Coming back into the body, that's the way how we need to relate to what is happening now. As you know, our minds come to the end of their width, it looks like, in many ways. We need to invite in new qualities. And we are doing that. By melting the permafrost. And dropping deeper into reality.
So and with the in-breath, you know, we can feel the quality of the metta or the karuna, <coughs> benevolence or compassion. And with the out-breath, we're allowing it to radiate out gently in front of us. and all around us. Above and below. Sitting in an orb of metta or karuna. And feeling the heart quality, the temporary liberation of the heart through metta or karuna. You know, really familiarizing ourselves how that feels. Enables us, you know, to take it also into our daily lives. At least, you know, knowing the contracted heart how that feels in relationship to the open heart. And allowing the quality of meta and corona to radiate. May all beings be happy. May all beings be free from harm.
And then we slowly, you know, in a few minutes, we come to the end of the meditation. And just reflecting on impermanence, the, the coming back to the breathing, noticing the constant change of the breathing process. You know, and even the most sublime state of mind comes to an end. Everything is just a flow, a river, a flux. And giving room for that flow to happen, not trying to nail it down in one way or another, or defending against it. So having no agenda besides that fluidity. One of the, the qualities of the water element is fluidity. not rejecting anything, not pinning it down, not getting involved, just allowing. So that openness in uh, sensing and being directly connected with our experience, that's what we want to train. So we come more to life, not being lost in the mind.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.